Some of you, I don't even know if you're guests or visitors or what, because there's so many new people here from the last time I was here. Uh, and I know a lot of you were able to make it on the treat. Thank you so much for coming to the treat. Amen. Well, we're going forward. Amen. And thank you those of you that weren't able to make it, but you wanted to be there and prayed for us and were a part of it. And those that didn't know about it, it's okay. Next year, don't you miss it. Amen. And we thank God for what he's going to do in here. If you're able to come tonight, I have a word for the church, and it's on healing and deliverance. And even a little bit more specific, I'm going to share with you some things that I have found out uh, uh, kind of uh, pertaining to end times. Some of the things that are going on that you're going to see uh, governments of this planet beginning to implement. You need to be here. You need to bring somebody with you. How many knows that when you're not aware of the devil's schemes, Paul says we're very aware of his schemes and his devices, amen? What you don't know can kill you, amen? I'm serious. So bring somebody with you. We're going to have a great time together, and we're going to see people get set free, get people get healed, amen? And we're just going to have a great time with one another. And you bring somebody with you, all right? It starts at 7 o'clock tonight. The game will be over, hallelujah. And when you come here, I want you to shout louder in here than you did when you were watching the game, all right? Okay, a few of y'all are on board this train. This train is leaving soon, so get on board if you're coming, amen? This train is bound for glory, this train. Wow, man. All right. So we're, we're, we're at Acts chapter 28 today, and we're going to look at a story in just a minute. Um, but to set you up, I want to bring you to a to the, to the understanding of the background of this story that we're going to look at this morning. The first thing that we're going to see, we're going to see is it's, it's, a, it's a story that concerns Paul the Apostle. And uh, what has happened prior to this uh, chapter that we're going to read, what has happened is Paul is on his way to Rome to stand before Caesar uh, because he's been on trial, been accused of some things that are not true. Uh, but it, all along the way, God has been able to use the testimony of things that happened to Paul and his uh, his fullness in his, uh, of Jesus in his life to really share the gospel with some high-ranking people. And uh, uh, needless to, uh, to say, you know, that there are some times where we go through troubles, but there's always a purpose in it. Amen? If the trouble hasn't happened because you've done wrong, amen, but because God is on your side, sometimes the godly will face persecution, the Bible says. Amen? And what, when you're persecuted, the Bible says that a greater anointing, a, 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 a great a weight of anointing, a, a greater spirit rests upon you. Amen? So that, that, that enables you to endure the trial. God gives you a special grace to go through it all. Amen? You act like you've never been there before. Have you ever been in trouble before? And it wasn't your fault. I'm not talking about uh, excuses. I'm talking about real deal trouble. Amen? And you didn't have anything to do with it. So Paul's there on this ship, and uh, they're setting sail, and they're going on their way to Rome. And uh, in the middle of all this journey, there's this uh, hurricane-force winds that are getting, uh, that are kind of gathering themselves. It's called Eurachlodon, a big storm. And uh, what happens is God gives Paul a warning that if, that if they set sail, it could cost them their lives, and the ship would sink. And he shares that with the centurion and with the, uh, with the ship owner. But they go, be, they, they go on ahead with the journey. And in the middle of the journey, Paul, uh, through God, institutes a fast. They are, they're, 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 they're trying for their lives. The boat is, you know, uh, just about to come apart. And because they prayed, they fasted, and they were able to save their lives. The ship broke to pieces, and some of them that could swim, swam into this island that we're about to read about. 
And then those that couldn't swim, they floated in on broken pieces of the ship. Give me a wave if you know what I'm talking about. Sometimes you can swim in life, and other times you've got to hang on to something to float it in. Amen? And so they floated in on broken pieces, and that's where we're going to pick up our story this morning. Acts chapter 28, verse 1. It says, Now when they had escaped, then they found out the island was called Malta. And the natives showed us unusual kindness, for they kindled, a, they kindled a fire and made us all welcome because of the rain that was falling and because of the cold. Now look at me for a second. Paul may be talking about some unusual kindness because, when, give me, just, just set up the scenario. You have uh, uh, just come in swimming out of a, a, a ship that's sunk, basically, and you just come into shore, and all of a sudden you see some people on the shore dressed in tribal gear. Come on, I'm talking about, you know, you know, bones in the nose. <laughs> I'm talking about, you know, palm branch skirts. And they're making a fire. How many think it's unusually kind if they don't eat you? <laughs> Amen? <laughs> I, you, if it was me, I might think about swimming a little bit longer. Amen? <laughs> I'm seeing guys coming out of the woods with the hooga-boogas and big, uh, building a big fire, Right? <laughs> But God, God, God is about to show us something here. It says, uh, verse 3, But when Paul had gathered a bundle of sticks and laid them on the fire, a viper came out because of the heat and fastened on his hand. So when the natives saw that the creature was hanging from his hand, they said to one another, No doubt this man is a murderer, whom though he has escaped the sea, yet justice does not allow to live. But he shook off the creature into the fire and suffered no harm. However, they were expecting that he would swell up or suddenly fall down dead, but after they had looked for a long time and saw no harm come to him, they changed their minds and said that he was a God. Come on and pray with me this morning. Father, this is your word. I believe, God, that you have anointed me to speak your word this morning. And, God, I'm asking you, by your mercy and by your grace, God, help me to communicate the deep truths of God. And, Lord, I just want, I just want to honor you this morning, God. I just want to honor you and give you the proper respect. So, Father, let me get out of the way. And, God, you totally take over. Do what you want to do in this service, Lord. Speak to everyone, Lord God, every individual. Don't let them leave this place without having heard something from you, Lord. We bless you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. So Paul got a word from God. And when he got a word from God, he shared it with the people, and the people didn't listen to the word that he got. By the way, when you get a second, can I get that clicker for the uh, for the advancing the slides? Um, Paul got a word from God, and uh, he he shared it with the people, and the people didn't listen to his word, so they had to go through something. And then Paul got another word from God, and when he got done, thank you, when he got done sharing this uh, 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 word, and and, and people got out, got off the ship, they made it safely like he said they would. And when he got there. He saw that everybody was cold, and this is what Paul, the great man of faith, did. He went and he sat down by the fire and said, you guys should have listened to me. You guys should have listened to me. And I, I, this is why we're, what, what we're going through right now is because I told you and you didn't listen to me. Now, y'all go over there and get the firewood and come over here, and I, I need something to eat. I'm cold and I'm hungry. Now, start doing it. That's not what he did. Paul, being the great man of God that he is, man of faith and a servant of the Lord, goes and begins to gather the sticks with them. 
Sometimes we get the word from God, we tell people they don't listen to it, and we want to sit back and point out how they should have listened to us in the first place. That's not the way to respond. So Paul, being the great man of faith that he is, listening and obeying God, and he goes and he gathers a bundle of sticks because he wants people to be warm and he wants to help uh, and to show the servanthood of Christ. And he's there with that towel and basin mentality, the same mentality that had the King Jesus on his feet washing his disciples' uh, feet. And, and, and his, his, his mentality is, I've got to be like Jesus. And he's out there gathering the sticks. And he brings those sticks, his bundles of sticks, and he, he comes to the fire. And when he puts it on the fire, the Bible says that a snake comes out because of the heat of the fire and fastens onto his hand. Listen to me, friends. Just because you serve God, just because you give in an offering, just because you worship God or are in a point of service does not make you ineligible for a snake bite. I've heard people tell me over and over again when they go through trouble or tragedy or something hits their life, why is this happening to me? I'm serving God. I'm trying to do the best that I can. Just because you're in service to God, I'm going to tell you something. Paul was a greater man of God than I could ever dream to be. Greater than anybody in this room. And if he was eligible for a snake bite, you and I are eligible for a snake bite. You always remember that, that nobody is immune to Satan's attacks. No one is immune to Satan's attacks. Just because you give your life to Jesus, there's, there's no promise that your, the rest of your life is going to be a rose garden. It's a battle, amen? It's a fight. It's a fight to live right. And Paul, being the man of faith that he was, the Bible says that he shook it off. I'm going to do this right here, amen? That's what I'm going to believe. Some of the snake bites that you have received over your life, we're going to shake them off in Jesus' name this morning, amen? We're going to, okay, three of y'all are going to get over it. All right, praise God. Okay, four of y'all, all right. Don't clap anybody else, all right. shook it off and suffered no harm, the Bible said. He took a bite. He shook it off and suffered no harm. God empowered him. Natives thought that he was a murderer. They were right. But the grace of God. I want to talk to you. I'm going to have a little spiritual discovery channel for you. I'm going to talk to you about snake bite. Satan's plan of attack against the church. We just heard from Pastor Joe that, 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 that Satan has a, a, a way of operating. But in God's Word, there are some predominant symbols of Satan in the, in the Bible. Number one, we see him as a lion. Peter said, like a roaring lion walking about seeking whom he may devour. In the book of Daniel, he's compared to a bear tearing apart the ribs and the flesh and, and, and clawing apart you and your life. But the first symbol that Satan is ever revealed as in the Bible is there in the Garden of Eden in the Genesis uh, chapter 3. The first symbol we ever see him, we recognize him, is that serpent in the garden. And you know, the last symbol that Satan is revealed as in Revelation chapter 22 is the, the, the dragon, the great serpent of old, the devil. So the first mention of Satan in the Bible and the last mention of Satan in the Bible is like that of a snake. So I'm going to let you get on, watch the Spiritual Discovery Channel this morning, and I want you to understand that we're going to symbolize what snakes do naturally to relate to what Satan does spiritually. Well, I said we had, he, has, he has one way of working things, and that is uh, the, his battle plan. The snake 
can shed its skin, but it's always still the same snake. Why? Because the thief comes not but to steal, to kill, and to destroy. Just like Pastor Joe said, it's right there in the Word. There's no secret to it. My brother was trying to preach God's message before I got up here, but that's all right. Amen? <laughs> that just lets me know I'm in the flow. Amen? <laughs> he had no idea that's what, that was how I'm going to preach that. But here, here's God. This ain't my message. This is God's message. Amen? This isn't my service. This is God's service. Amen? This ain't your service. This is God's service. Amen? We're not trying to cater to you. We're trying to serve God and do what he wants this morning. Amen? You just remember that throughout this whole thing. Amen? And there's a story actually in a, in, in, in a place in 1 Samuel chapter 11. You can turn there real quick. It's just two verses of Scripture. And I'll read it for you if you don't want to turn there. I'll read it for you. 1 Samuel chapter 11, verse 1 says, Then Nahash, I hear some of y'all turning. Yep, you've got to get that speed up. When you have it, say word up. If you don't, say hold up. Don't say it in a bank. All right. 1 Samuel chapter 11, verse 1, it says, Then Nahash, everybody say Nahash. Say it again, Nahash. Say it like this, Nahash. Look at your neighbor, say Nahash. Now wipe the spit off him. Then Nahash, the Ammonite, came up and encamped against Jabesh Gilead. And all the men of Jabesh said unto Nahash, Make a covenant with us, and we will serve thee. And Nahash the Ammonite answered them, On this condition will I make a covenant with you, that I may thrust out all your right eyes and lay it for a reproach upon all of Israel. Okay, let's look at this story with me real quick, okay? The, the, the children of, uh, of Jabesh Gilead, which were the children of Israel, they were gathered together in their city, and this Ammonite king comes against them with his army and desires the city and wants to capture it and take all the people captive and lay spoil to the city. And the children of uh, Jabesh Gilead decide that they're going to wall themselves up and board up the, uh, the gates of the city and let nobody in or nobody out. And the army surrounds the city, and there they are on the inside, and they begin to talk to one another, and they begin to say, you know what, I don't want to die. Do you want to die? No, I don't really want to die. Uh, and I don't want my wife taken. I don't want my kids taken. Uh, well, you know, we're going to have to figure out something here because, uh, you know, we don't, we don't got enough people to fight them people. So they began to talk. And they said, let's try to make a deal. Let's make a deal. Come on, let's make a deal with these guys. Let's see what we can do to see if we can get them not to kill us. Because we want to live. What can we do? So they sent word and said, we're willing to make a covenant with you. And Nahash says, okay, here's how you're going to make a covenant. Put out your right eyes, all the men of the city. Poke them out. And when we're not going to kill you, you can live in peace after this. See, that's my problem right there. There are people that would rather give in than fight. There are people in the church, people that are serving God, that would rather give in than fight the devil. The devil don't like you. He don't like anything that looks like the image of God. And when he fights you, he's not only having to fight the image of God, but he's got to fight the God that's inside the image of God. And when he's got to fight that God, he knows that he don't have a chance. 
But it's when people who forget who their God is, they forget that how powerful he is, they forget their place in God, that when he begins to uh, come against he, meaning the devil come against them, they'd rather give in than fight. I don't want to pray too much because when I pray too much, it seems like the devil attacks my family. I don't want to give too much because it seems like when I give, the devil attacks my finances. I don't want to be a part of that too much. I just want to stay on the outer court and barely be on that as it is because I don't want to get any closer to people around me because then they'll begin to hold me accountable. When people hold you accountable, it's the best thing for your life because you grow spiritually. Amen? You grow as a man or a woman of God and you finally become the person God's called you to be. You are not on a love boat. When you signed up to come to Jesus, you didn't sign up for the love boat, a cruise that's going to take you to a beautiful island in the sky. You are on a battleship. Come on, somebody. You are in a fight. You may not want to fight. That may not even be what you want to do, but you are in a fight today. And you're going to have to fight the devil tooth and nail for the rest of your life. Look at your neighbor and say, the rest of your life. Say it again, the rest of your life. If you stop fighting the devil, he starts winning. That's all I got to say about that. All right, we'll move on now. Everybody say Nahash. Everybody say Nahash. Now, the word Nahash literally in the Hebrew means serpent. This serpent king, Nahash, the word Nahash literally means serpent, and it comes from the noise that the serpent makes, the hiss. When it makes the noise, and not only the noise that it makes, but the motions that it makes, the swaying that it, when it hoods itself, specifically the cobra, when it sways back and forth in front of its prey, it actually also means to hypnotize, to draw in. It's used for enchantment, to cast spells. They believed that when the snakes hissed, it was like a spell that it put on its prey. A fear spell caused the heart to race, caused the paralyzation of the prey so it wouldn't move. And this serpent king comes and says, look, I'm going to make a covenant with you. I'm going to put out your right eyes. How about that? I won't, I'll let you to live. See, this serpent king was deceitful and crafty and cunning, just like the devil. He knew that if he could get the children of Israel to put out their right eye, that they would be fit to be nothing but a slave for the rest of their life. What am I talking about? Well, in that day and time, warfare, you held a shield in the left and a sword in the right. And what you did is you held a shield in front of you to quench every fiery dart of the enemy. And when you wanted to go on the offensive, someone say on the offensive, you had to pull your shield and peek around to see where the enemy was so that you could start swinging. Come on, somebody do this right here. Amen? Now put your neighbor's teeth back in. But a person that was blinded in their right eye, that serpent king knew something. They would never be able to rise up in rebellion and fight them. Why? They'd be fit for to be a slave because the minute that they tried to bear arms against him, when they put up a shield to try to block anything that he was attacking them with, the minute that they pulled the shield to peak, they would pull the shield all the way out. And they would be open to any attack because they had to look out their left eye or they'd have to switch hands. And they knew they couldn't fight with the other hand. 
You understand what I'm talking about this morning? The devil seeks to put out the sight. He comes to steal the sight of God's people. The serpent does. In India, there's a cobra. See, I go to India. I'm a missionary to India. There's a cobra called a black spitting cobra. And this cobra is not a normal snake. It actually keeps a pocket of venom up into its mouth. And when it puts it on blast, it can spray or it can actually come to a center mass like a loogie and hit its prey right in the dead in the eye. Or it can spray it in a mist to where it'll just kind of fall like rain into the eyes. This, this cobra has a game that it plays. It finds some prey, it tracks it down, and it begins to hood itself over top of the, uh, of the prey that it wants. And it begins to sway back and forth. And what it's doing is it's causing its prey to open its eyes bigger and bigger. And when it finds or senses that the heartbeat of the prey, because see, it uses uh, uh, thermodynamics to, 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 to see and to understand. When it see, feels that heat coming from that prey, when that heart is racing more and more, it can sense just minimal uh, degree changes in the body temperature. And when it sees that that prey is hot, it knows its eyes are open, its heart is racing real fast. And it just waits for the right time as it's waiting to get those eyes open. And when it's ready, right into the eyes. That doesn't kill it. It just starts to burn the eyes. It's an enzyme in there. And if it lands in the eyes, even a little bit of it, it can blind the prey from one year to the rest of its life. Now the game begins. The snake sits back and watches the prey take off running. Now the heart rate is really increasing because it begins to run itself in circles. It doesn't know where it's going. It's just trying to get away from whatever just was trying to attack it. And he waits, waits until the prey runs itself out of energy. And when it does, he tracks it and he slithers over to it. And when he's ready, fangs into the prey. And now releases another toxin. And it becomes his meal. Now let's spiritualize that this morning. Satan comes to God's people with taunts and intimidations. Satan comes with lusts and things that we want or we desire. And he gets us to open our eyes, if you will, to things we know we oughtn't be looking at. Things that we oughtn't be desiring. Things that we have no business watching after. Come on, you know what I'm talking about? And he comes at you like that, and what he does is he's just getting your eyes open. Come on, you know what I'm talking about. You know, in the middle of the night, all of a sudden, you were clicking somewhere on the Internet you knew you shouldn't be, and every time you tell yourself you're not going to do it, you click another step further. And before you know it, you're deep off into something that you wish you never would have been in, and now your marriage is suffering over it. Now your relationship with God is suffering over it. He's getting you to open your eyes because he's going to spray right in those eyes. He's going to spray right into those eyes. Comparing yourself and things that you have and you wish you had. Look in there. I want that kind of car and I want that kind of man. I want that kind of woman. And I want that kind of house. Look, man, you just opening your eyes. You're getting ready to get sprayed on. Get your eyes on Jesus. Amen. Get your eyes on God. Amen. And when you do, you won't be looking into the devil's mouth. 
There's another kind of snake. It's the same snake that bit Paul in the back of the hand. It's called a death adder. Everybody say death adder. Say death adder. Death adder is actually, or an asp is another term for the same snake. They call it a two-stepper because when the poison gets in you, it's two steps, boom, on the floor. That's how deadly the poison is. The asp is the same. Uh, uh, it's rumored to be the same snake that Cleopatra put to her breast when she killed herself. It's the same snake that Paul, show, uh, we see Paul being bitten by in this chapter that we just read. This snake is different than the other snake. It doesn't go looking for something big and tasty to eat. It finds a place, a hedge, or some wall, a little hole, a branch, and it literally wraps itself up. And it sits and it waits. And it waits. And it waits. This snake can stay in the same spot without moving for up to three months at a time. I didn't stutter. Three months. Doesn't move. Doesn't go and take a a bathroom break or vacation. He's just sitting there. You thought the devil wasn't patient? No, he's patient, buddy. More patient than you can imagine. Why? Because he knows where his environment is. And all the snake does is just sit there and wait. And it knows sooner or later something's going to come into my environment and disturb it. And when, it, when I feel a little branch shake, I'm getting myself ready. And once it starts sticking its hand or sticking itself into my environment, fangs right in. Inject the poison right in. I heard the name of the Lord is a strong tower. And the righteous run to it, and they are safe. But some of you have been looking out the window of the strong tower of God's love, and you wonder what it was like on the other side of the fence. And you begin to stray down from the things that God has showed you. You begin to stray back closer to the fence, and you begin to backslide in your walk with God, and you begin to get closer to the fence. And maybe you're not all the way in the bush. Maybe you're just sticking your hand in the bush. Maybe you're just starting to disturb the environment of the snake. But believe me, sooner or later, you put yourself far enough into the bush, you sit on the fence long enough, and a snake will you in the butt. Well, I'm not in adultery. I'm just flirting a little bit. I just like it when they look at me like that, so I'll let them look a little bit longer. I'll unbutton my shirt a little bit more. But I'm not in sin. I'm not all the way in, friend. You're about to get bit and you don't even know it. Satan is just waiting for you to put yourself a little deeper in the bush. My God, I'm talking to somebody in here this morning. This ain't a game, friend. Satan has a battle plan against your life. He's trying to kill you. He's trying to kill your marriage. He's trying to kill your future. He's trying to take your financial blessings from you. He's trying to take everything that it is that God's trying to give you. He's trying to cut you off from God. And he'll cut you off when you stick your hand in the wrong environments. Start playing. Quit playing in sin. Quit justifying it. Just get away from it. Cut off that, I mean, if you have a number of somebody that you know God's told you not supposed to be your spouse and never going to marry them anyway, delete their number. Block their email and text. Hello? Well, I just want to see what they got to say. I'm feeling really low about myself today. 
Well, start looking to Jesus. Start thinking about what he thinks about you. Amen? Not only a, a black spitting cobra, not only a, 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 a death adder, but there's a third type of snake that we can see that represents Satan. And it doesn't even have a venom. It's, it's, a, a, it's, a, it's a constrictor snake. It's called a python. A python. Everybody say python. Now, pythons, they don't bite their prey. As a matter of fact, I can tell you a story of, of, of some missionary friends of mine into Burma. They're actually called Myanmar now. They tell me because it's so hot in Myanmar and the humidity is so high that most people don't sleep inside their homes. They literally sleep outside to catch a little bit of the breeze. Some of them will sleep underneath a banyan tree. Some will sleep out on the porch. But whatever it is, they can't go in because the hot sun throughout the day cooks it up in their house or their hut. And what they do is they lay out, and there somewhere in the middle of the morning as the dew begins to settle and the coolness begins to come on the ground, they, send, they start to feel a little bit chilly. And they describe this warm sensation that begins to come beside them. Just kind of warming them up. And that warm sensation makes itself back behind the neck as they're laying there. And it becomes more snuggly to them. And before they know it, they wake up to being choked by a python. Satan, in your life, when you stop moving for God, he just kind of sneaks up beside you. When you get comfortable in your Christianity, lay back on it. When you get comfortable not being convicted anymore, moving forward. Come on, this is a transformation process. It means going up to another level, another level. When you're done with that level, go to another level. Beat another devil, go to another level. Come on, somebody. And you lay there, and you allow that snake to wrap himself around you. And I'm going to tell you something, that even in uh, Revelation chapter 9, sometime you read it there, verse 11, it talks about Apollyon. That literally means destroyer, Apollyon Pythinia, or Abaddon in the Hebrew tongue, the Bible says. It talks about a destroyer, a snake that comes to steal your sight. He comes to kill your life and to destroy your soul. Destroy your ability of communication with God. The snake will wrap itself around you and confusion will set in. Some of you, have you ever been under those conditions where you can't make a decision because you can't hear from God and you're so confused? I would say you might want to check and see if there isn't a spiritual python wrapped around your mind today. It might just be the one thing that's constricting. That's what they do. They constrict. Everybody say constrict. That means they like tighten it up. Some of you don't feel the freedom that you used to. You can't raise your hands like you used to. You can't jump and shout like you used to. And sometimes you can jump and shout, but when you go out, when you go out the doors, it's worn off. I'm telling you, you might have a snake wrapped around you this morning. You might be snake bitten. And snakes usually have four types of venom. First type of venom is called a myotoxin. Say myotoxin. Myotoxin is a, is a venom that when it goes through the veins, it literally destroys or it, 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 it digests the muscles. It liquefies them. You become a big slurpee to the snake. What does that speak of? It speaks of when a, a, a Christian that could hold high the shield of faith loses his muscles, they won't be able to hold anything. Come on, if you don't have no muscles, you can't fight. 
Some of you can't fight anymore. You know what you need to do, but you don't have the fight in you. You might have a myotoxin, spiritually, a spiritual myotoxin coursing through your veins today. You might have been bitten. Somebody might have bit you. You might have done something where you got bitten. Satan might have snuck in and bit you somewhere. Not only a myotoxin, but there's a neurotoxin. Say neurotoxin. Say neurotoxin. Neurotoxin doesn't care about the muscles. It goes to the central nervous system right to the back of the brain. And what it begins to do is it begins to block the receptors of the central nervous system. Your, your nerve endings can't talk to each other anymore. And what begins to happen at that point is that there's this uh, uh, numbness that sets into the person. They can't feel the part of the body where they were bit, and then it begins to creep all over the body. And what numbness that they begin to feel eventually ends up leading to paralysis. And when they're paralyzed, that's when the snake comes over and just enjoys his meal. Some of you are so numb to the presence of God. Some of you are so numb and insensitive to conviction that God is giving. You might have been bitten, friend. When the pastor's talking about something, it doesn't even matter to you. Because you've got your mind made up. This is the way I'm going to live my life. Friend, it ain't your life. You're living with borrowed breath. That's God's breath. He breathed it into Adam, and Adam multiplied it, and that's how it got to you. And, friend, until you recognize you're going to stand before God for everything you did with His breath, friend, you're going to miss the best of the life that you were supposed to live in God. Myotoxin and neurotoxin. Then there is also called what we call a hemotoxin. Say hemotoxin. Say hemotoxin. Hemotoxin, it goes for the veins and the arteries, the blood passageways of the body. And what does it do? It ruptures them so that they can no longer carry the, the blood that sustains your body. What is the, what is the uh, physical sign of somebody that's been bitten by a hemotoxin? It, it's called internal bleeding. Say internal bleeding. People that have, have internal bleeding can act very normal for several hours up, up till the time they fall over. And people are going, what's going on? You can get up in the morning, fall down the stairs, and do some kind of rippage in your stomach and not know that you're internally bleeding. Get down and eat your eggs and breakfast and go to the store, and all of a sudden you fall out. The ambulance takes you. Your mama shows up at the hospital, and they say, what's wrong? Well, she's been bleeding to death. You're lying, doctor. I don't see no blood. Well, you can't see it because it's on the inside. She's been bleeding. Hemotoxin ruptures all the blood passageways so that the person begins to internally bleed. They bleed to death without any drop of blood even leaving the body. What does that say spiritually? People that act very normal spiritually, but inwardly they have sin that is hidden on the inside of them. They hadn't dealt with the racism, but they can put it on, put it on their faces. Friend, racism will, is, is a problem. It's a sin. And until you deal with it, you will continue to internally, internally bleed. You will continue to internally bleed. There will always be something wrong with your Christianity. Because God is love. And God loves everyone. Regardless of color of skin, God, God loves every single one. That would have been a good time to say amen, but we won't ask you to do that. 
hidden sin, sin that nobody sees, people that act normal, they give in the offering, they raise their hands, but at home, you know, the way that you're talking to your family, the way you're talking to your parents, the way that you're talking to your children or your spouse is sin and it's against God. And just because you can put the makeup on and come in here and look like everything's still okay, friend, I'm telling you, you've got to get that thing taken care of because your marriage is bleeding to death. Your family is bleeding to death and it's time to get it taken care of. Don't allow the venom of a snake bite, the something that somebody said or did to you, cause you to be ruined for the rest of your days. The last type of venom is a cardiotoxin. Say cardiotoxin. Without much time, it just goes straight to the heart. It kills you. Dude said that people could be twice dead, plucked up by the roots. What does that mean? Well, you were born in this world, the Bible says, as a sinner. That means you were born dead to God. You come to God and you give your life to Him. That means you were born again. That meant you came to life. The Bible also says that a man can lose his salvation when he chooses to walk away from the very love of God. When he chooses to go back to his former life and his former ways. When he's not led anymore by the Spirit but by his flesh, by the devil, and by every evil thing that is enticing him to sin. You can be twice dead and plucked up by the roots, friend. Please don't let a a snake come by your life today and bite you with a cardiotoxin. There are several signs of a snake bite. You might be snake bit if. Next slide. You might be snake bit if. If what? These are literally, when you go to an emergency room, they will evaluate you. The ER staff, these are the six signs of a snake bite. One, pain and swelling in the area of the bite. Say that. Pain and swelling in the area of the bite. When a person is bitten by a snake, they, you, you, first off, let me back up for a second. There is possible that you could be bitten by a snake and not even know it. People walk through fields in India all the time and they're bitten by a snake and they fall over and they're wondering and then they start to search their legs and their ankles and they find a little flick mark on the back of their heel. Pain and swelling in the area of the bite. What does that mean? Well, if you have a hurt, just think about it. If I broke my arm today, the doctor goes and he begins to inspect it. He begins to squeeze on your arm. You just go, oh, that feels really good, doctor. Thank you. No, you pull your arm back and you say, if you do that again, you're going to get clocked and you're going to have to call the police because I'm getting out of here. You protect what is wounded. It's a natural reaction, right? You protect what's wounded. It's a natural reaction, right? Same thing with people that are bitten by a snake. When they're confronted in the area of the bite... They get defensive. Come on. Let Pastor Joe, and I know some of y'all were already getting defensive. <laughs> he was up here talking. Look, I had never, he, he has never, and, and I have never talked a number or a dollar. I never, I never put a price tag on my ministry. If he didn't give me a dollar, I still would have been here. Why? Because God told me to be here. But when he got up here and started talking about a need and finances, some of you have an area of your life where you've been bitten by another ministry that did it the wrong way or or, or just something that somebody put in your mind and you think that all preachers are just money-hungry punks. Well, I want you to know something. For the last four and a half years, I've I've lived off of less of what I've gotten. I've given over $140,000 to missions in the last four and a half years. That's what I do with my money because it ain't my money. It's his money. 
And some of you, the reason why you got bit in that area, because God's blessing is in that area of your life, and Satan knows it. He don't want you to ever discover that if you will start to give in that area, if you'll start to do what God wants you to do, you'll find an empowerment. You'll find the blessing in that area. Satan's trying to get the area that God's trying to bless. Some of you have been bitten in the relationship area, and you don't trust anybody. I can't trust a man. I'll tell you, that's why people go into homosexuality or in lesbianism. Because they get hurt in a relationship. Or somebody who was a, a figure in their life does some kind of evil molestation on their bodies. And now they're carrying around this wound and this venom that they got bitten with is coursing through their mind. And they begin to make choices based upon the venom that's in their mind and it's in their life. Every man ain't like the man that slapped you, ladies. Every man ain't like the man that dogged you out and left you. I'll tell you one man that ain't like it. Jesus. Every girl ain't out here to manipulate you, fellas. Every girl ain't money-hungry gold digging. I'll tell you one woman that is not. My wife, but you can't have her. She's mine. Amen. Praise God. When I said is, some, I saw some ladies go, oh, don't let him point at me. He's a prophet. But if he points at me, he's prophet lying. Seriously, let the pastor say, look, God told me that we need to come to prayer meeting for 21 consecutive days. Well, I ain't coming no way. Uh-uh. Man, I come enough. You will find every reason because the bite hurts. Not only will you find every reason not to be here, but you'll get mad at the person who said it. Because they're starting to push on your wound. You got pain and swelling in the area of the bite, the place where God wants to bless you. God knows that when you come to the 11th day of the prayer meeting, that God's breakthrough is about to hit your life, and, and, and the devil knows it too, and so he's bitten you, and he don't want you to be here so that you get your breakthrough. I'm telling you, I know there are people that are supposed to be here tonight in this service that are going to tell you every reason in the book why they shouldn't be here. But I'm going to tell you, you better tell them, you, better, you want to take a snake bite, that's on you, but I'm telling you, God's deliverance and healing is going to be in that place. You need to be here. You just watch them at 2 and 3 o'clock. They'll be up off the couch or they'll be up on the, watching the ball go across the screen. All of a sudden, 5 o'clock hits. Mm, well, you know, I don't feel so good. 6.30 hits and they've already figured out their reason why they can't be there. Pain and swelling in the area of the bite. Not only pain and swelling in the area of the bite, the second sign of the snake bite is progressive weakness. Say progressive weakness. Say progressive weakness. What's that? Progressive weakness is that people, when they're getting bitten by a snake, all of a sudden they'll, 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 they'll have a tendency to get really weak and have to sit down and get their strength back, and all of a sudden they just come back on them, they're fine. They start to function normal. And then they'll uh, you know, function for a few minutes normal, and then all of a sudden they'll get weak again and fall back down. They have this kind of a roller coaster. People that are progressively weak in areas of sin in their life. People that have consistent trouble and sin in their life. They're progressively weak in their walk with God. They ride the roller coaster of religion. You might have been bitten, friend. If you can serve God in the retreat, you can serve Him here. Amen? If you can serve God here, you can serve Him at home. Amen? If you can serve God at home, you can serve Him on the job. If you can serve Him on the job, you can serve Him like a slob. No, you can't. You can't do that. You cannot, be, you cannot live a roller coaster existence in God. 
they got to be either climbing a mountain or going to do something in the valley. Amen? you either got to be climbing the mountain and getting more instruction, or you need to be coming down that mountain and going into the valley and taking the giants out the valley. Come on. Or conquering something. Amen? The third sign of a snake bite is vision problems. Say vision problems. People that have been bitten by a snake, their vision first off, it starts to get blurry, and then they begin to, lo- they begin to see spots, and they become blind. People that can no longer discern between God and Satan in their life. They can't see the plan of God any longer. They don't have vision for what God's saying to do in their life. All they can see is the problems. The devil magnifies himself, magnifies the problems, and drives the wedge between them and the people that love them. Come on, don't you know the oldest trick in the book for any army is divide and conquer? Divide and conquer. That's all the devil does, divide and conquer. If I can get one of them off, they're weaker when they're not together. Come on, you know how what I'm talking about. You go and you got something going on. All of a sudden you pray with somebody and you feel built up. And then two, mo- two minutes later or two months later, you feel like, man, I just don't know if I'm going to make it. You've got vision problems. People that attribute God as the reason why they're having problems. I'm broke because God did it. God left me this way. Look at how God did me. Look, man, I told you my story. My story is that my mother left me in a hospital. Never met her, never seen her. All I know about her, she was a drug user and 14 years old. She didn't want nothing to do with me. I don't even know the name that she gave me. You know the name that was given you at your birth. I don't. And immediately when I thought to come out of a womb, I'd be coming to a place where I could lay my head upon the chest of my mother and hear her heartbeat and be comforted by the voice that I've heard growing in her belly for nine months. Didn't hear any of that. Didn't experience any of that. You know what set in? Rejection. You're not wanted. Nobody wants you. Pass you from family to family. And when you get there for a little while, you'll stay, and then all of a sudden you'll go back. And they'll send you to another family. And you'll come home to that family one day, and they'll tell you, you ain't our son. Get out of here. And not even open the door. And if you don't get out of here, we're calling the police. And you'll be begging for a room to stay in or somewhere hot, sleeping under a truck that was warm from being driven around all night. You'll knock on the window of your friend and say, please let me in just for the night, and I'll get out in the morning before your parents get up. You'll do desperate things. And then when people actually come into your life that are a blessing from God, when they try to get into your heart and try to be a blessing back to you, you'll reject them before they can even reject you because you're tired of being rejected. It's a cycle. And now you can't see God in your life. I'm talking about my story. I don't know what your story is, but, buddy, I know what rejection is. I'll tell you somebody else who knows what rejection is. Jesus Christ, because the Bible said that he came unto his own, and his own received him not. He came to his own creation, and they didn't want nothing to do with him. So if you think you're suffering from rejection and Jesus doesn't understand it, you're wrong this morning. You've been bitten by a snake that's lying to you. You've been bitten by a toxin that's coursing through your veins and it's causing you to be confused because God gave his life for you so that he could accept you and you could accept him. Amen? And you could be accepted in the beloved and accepted into the presence of God. Get rid of your vision problems. The fourth sign of a snake bite is drowsiness. Say drowsiness. Say drowsiness. That means that when people are bitten by a snake, they progress through these signs, and they finally get to a point where they begin to be uh, sleepy, drowsy. They literally will fall asleep. Drowsiness. 
I see some of you this morning a little bit drowsy. Maybe you're a little bit drowsy because you got bit because God knew the word he wanted to get you was important and the devil did too and he wants you to be sleeping while the word is coming through. Because he knows that if you get a hold of that thing, it's going to change your life. Well, let me just put a little bite on him. I feel tired. I feel more tired. Friend, I serve El Shaddai. Not El Shaddai. We got people in here serving El Shaddai. Praise you. Praise him. Praise him. Praise him. You need to get rid of El Shaddai. Amen. You need to get El Shaddai, the God of more than enough. Hallelujah! Woo! Quit being lazy about the things of God. I think White Tyrone's about to get out here and preach. Quit being lazy about the things of God. Quit getting tired when you read your Bible. Stand up, walk around, splash some water on your face, and get a word from God. Quit being tired when God is speaking to you. Quit being drowsy about the things of God. Wake up and smell the Jesus, baby. Because God is so good. Amen? You're walking around here punch drunk because the devil done punched you so many times. Man, clear your head. Get in the presence of God and get away from the devil and get delivered from him tonight, today, right now. The fifth sign of a snake bite is unconsciousness. If you walk into a room, they'll do all that evaluation and they'll see that you're unconscious. That's when you slip right past drowsiness that you don't even respond. You don't even respond. People that are unresponsive, nothing that's preached will get them to change. Not even a confrontation. Not even a pastor looking you in your face. You're still drowsy. No, you're not even drowsy. You're unconscious. You're not aware of what really is happening to you. Now the devil can just do anything. He can take off your clothes if he wants to. He can make you, make you to lay in a bed of sin if he wants to. And when you wake up and finally realize I'm a child of God, I shouldn't be here, it's too late because he's robbed you. Friend, get that snake bite taken care of today. Don't let the devil get advantage over you. The last sign of a snake bite is coma. Everybody say coma. In coma, a person will eventually die short of a miracle. In a coma, people slip off. They get to a state where beyond the coma. They can slip to a point where if they're not hooked up to machines that are pumping air into them and keeping their chest uh, uh, monitored and, and keeping them breathing and keeping their heart beating, if they don't keep that on, they will die. They'll go into a coma. If they're not in the hospital and they slip into a coma, you're going to have to check and see if they're breathing. And the only way that you can bring back a person out of a coma is CPR. CPR will bring a person back. That's Christ, prison, or the rapture. Jesus directly manifesting to that person that's been so bitten and is in a coma that will wake him up. Maybe it might be somebody going to prison for you to wake up and understand. I, got, I hope it isn't. Or it might take the rapture that everybody get up out of here and you come here on a Sunday morning going, where's everybody at Metro Praise? We ain't praising his name no more. No, we praising his name. We up there praising his name. You down here. And I'll tell you what, there'll be some full churches on that day. And I mean F-U-L-L and I also mean F-O-O-L. Fool churches. And they were fooling everybody. I don't see nothing wrong with a little front on you. They're fronting on you. 
they're hypocrites. You know, here, here, here I'm just going to minister to you right here. Listen to this. I hear this so much. I don't go to church because there's so many hypocrites in the church. And the person that's telling me that is a hypocrite themselves. Seriously. Start asking them about their life. Have they ever done everything they've ever said they were going to do? Do they act the same way at home as they act in front of people in the public? When they go to the mall, do they act the same way at home? Are they in their bedroom snorting a little line of cocaine? Or are they doing, will they go out to McDonald's table and snort a little big line of cocaine in front of everybody? They're a hypocrite. Or would they do it at their, at their family's house during Christmas while everybody's opening up their gifts? Woo! Okay, everybody, let's spark it up. No, they can't wait to get out of there because they're tired of being around family because they can't function without being high. First thing they're doing is trying to go into a bathroom and get a little bump before they can get out of there. And then they'll go home and they'll try to get high to forget what their problems are. Look, man, no church is perfect. None. And no Christian is perfect. None. We're striving for perfection. Amen? What amazes me is people don't understand. You get a building full of people with problems, now you've got a bunch of problems. Every one of us has problems. You got problems. I got problems. The world's richest man's got problems. But they don't all have Jesus. You got Jesus. You got Jesus, baby. What are you doing about it? The thing about being snake bitten is that there is this thing that they developed called antivenom. You see, what happens is a person gets bitten by a snake or an animal gets bitten by a snake, and if they survive, the snake. Jesus took a snake bite for you and I, friends. What am I talking about? When they drove those nails into his hands and feet, it was like the fangs of a serpent of sin. Because the Bible said that he that knew no sin took sin upon himself. Just imagine it was just fangs being driven into the body of Jesus. And the poison went into the body of Jesus. And his cold, dead body laid there in a grave day one. Day two, still lifeless, no motion. Day three, he was lifeless, and all of a sudden, the Bible said that the Holy Ghost came upon him and resurrected. The same Spirit dwells in you that dwells in Jesus. It will quicken you. It will give you strength and power. Come on, somebody. Jesus took your snake bite. He took a snake bite so that you don't have to take a snake bite. But even further than that, what they do with somebody who's been bitten by a snake, if they survive a snake bite, they take their blood and they make a medicine called an antivenom. Say antivenom. That's how they get it. They don't mix a bunch of plants together. They take blood. Someone say blood. Someone shout blood. They take blood of an individual or an animal that survives a snake bite. And they make it into a medicine. And what they do is they take that medicine and they inject it into a person that's been bitten by a snake. And when they do, it reverses the effects of the snake bite. You ain't trying to help me preach, but my Holy Ghost is telling me something in here. That Jesus took your snake bite. And if you've got a snake bite in here this morning, if there's some kind of snake bite in your life, no matter what did, did it to you, who did it to you, where they did it to you, you just begin to apply the blood. You begin to apply the antivenom to that area of your life. And it will reverse the effects of the snake bite. Oh, Jesus, help me this morning. Some of you are snake bitten, don't even know it. 
Some of you making decisions without any godly counsel in your life because you think, I'm a big boy, I put on the pants. Well, big boy, your pants got holes in them. And so does your theory. One day you're going to stand before God. He's going to look at you. He's going to say, friend, creation. I have provided an anti-venom for them snake bites that you carried. Why didn't you take it? I was too ashamed. Look, there's no shame in a snake bite. Paul didn't walk around ashamed because he got bit by a snake. He was trying to do God's will. Some of you are trying to do God's will and you got bit. You maybe got bit in another ministry or another church. You know, there's no magical power that happens to anybody that stands behind that. They're people. And if their life isn't more holy off the stage than, than they are on the stage, there's something wrong. They're going to fall. Get your eyes off a of man. And get him on Jesus, the one that walked in perfection. If somebody who called themselves your father or your mother did something vile to you, talked to you some kind of way, degraded you, beat you down, don't equate that with a heavenly father that never did that to you, that it was totally the opposite of that. I can't accuse God because my mother didn't have the ability. I ain't even going to blame my mom. I live with all that. I, I put it at the foot of the cross, and Jesus took it away. And I'm going to tell you, it's a whole lot easier living without that burden, that guilt. I can't control what happened to me before I got here, but I can control what's happening in my life right now. I can't control anything but what I'm doing. Amen? Least of all, can I control God? Come on, I need, to, I need Rachel, I need you to come. Worship team, why don't you just come? We're going to transition into a place here right now. I believe that I'm looking out into people who've got snakes wrapped around their lives, constriction. You want freedom in God, it's here today. You want strength in God, it's here today. You want you want to get set free from a bite, it's here today for you. You don't have to wait till tonight. Friend, I've got to go to the foot of the cross on a daily basis. I die daily, Paul said. So that I might live. Not me that lives, but Jesus that lives in me. Friend, as you're listening to the Holy Spirit this morning through the ministering of His Word, believe this with me, that God sent a messenger to you today. That's all I am. I'm delivering a mail, a piece of mail to your life. I don't know where your life is. I don't know what you do when you get back home or what you normally do. But I'm going to ask you to do something different today. I'm going to ask you to do something different. I'm going to ask you when you walk out of this place that you wouldn't have any snake bites. You have no snakes attached to your life. And that when you go home, there are any snakes in your life. There are any snakes in your home there's any snake in the places where you're going to be and you get rid of those snakes get rid of those snakes you and Jesus drive out the snakes I know we celebrate St. Patrick's Day and all that I don't know if you don't even know what that is 
But you know what? History tells us that there was a miracle that took place by a man that served God. He went and preached the gospel in a country called Ireland. Now you know there's no snakes in that country at all? Not one. Why? Because when he preached in that country, the, the history tells us that all the snakes that were in that part of the world left. That's a miracle. Amen? If God could do it for a man that loved him, why, what, what makes him a respecter of persons? Could he not do it? Maybe not in the whole country, but what about in your life this morning? Amen? Could he anoint you like it did St. Patrick? Could he anoint you? Could he allow you to drive snakes out by the very presence of God that comes upon your life? Come on, stand on your feet right now. Stand on your feet and close your eyes. Open your hearts. And just take a moment for God to begin to deal with you. Some of you are going to be coming here to get prayer. In just a minute, God's going to release me to release you to come forward in prayer. And I want you to know, friend, if you've got any kind of a snake bite, don't you leave this place. It's a shame to know that the power of God was here to set you free. And you walked out with a snake bite. Friend, He's making you aware. If you have bitterness against somebody because of something that they did for you, I'm telling you, that was a snake bite, friend. You've got to get rid of it. You've got to forgive because you can't be forgiven, friend, until you forgive. You ask God to forgive you, He'll forgive you. But, friend, you also, God in turn says you must forgive. You must forgive the person that hurts you. You must forgive the person who abused you. You must forgive the person who did evil things to you. You must forgive them. For your healing's sake, so you don't have to live in some prison cell for the rest of your life, barely getting by, scrounging along. But God wants you to have a free life. Why would you live like that, friend? Sir, brother, ma'am, sister, stranger, friend, I want you to know everybody in here under the sound of my voice, I want you to begin to inspect yourself and ask yourself, is there anything in my life that's biting me up? Is there anything that I'm being bitten by? And I'll tell you something else. Some, I, I, I just in my, in my prophetic understanding God's sharing with me that some of you the devil didn't just uh, bite you but he got in your mouth and he sharpened your teeth and made them like fangs and you bit people with your evil words with your curses with your filthy statements about them he implanted poison in your mouth and you bit somebody snake biting you but you biting others you're not a snake friend you're called to trample on serpents and scorpions. You're not a snake. Don't, let, don't yield your mouth anymore to the devil. Don't allow him to get in your mouth anymore. Job said this, I saw the fangs of the wicked. I saw the victim in the teeth. And I broke the fangs of the wicked and plucked the victim from its mouth I saw the victim in the mouth with the fangs sharpened up biting down and Job said I went after that one and I broke the fangs and I pulled the victim out of the mouth 
friend, that's what God's doing for you right now. He's breaking the fangs of the wicked ones. Let him break it. Come on, get that visual. Come on, get that, get that in your spirit. Get that in your spirit. If you're here this morning and say, I need God to set me free from a snake bite. I want you, Brother Glenn. I want some people to pray with me. I want to apply the blood to my snake bite. If that's you, come on and get out of your seat and get into this altar. Just take a step out of your row. If somebody's standing in front of you, say, excuse me, i got to go get set free. Excuse me, i gotta get the, I got to get the poison out of me. Come on, if that's you, get out of your seat and come. Come on, make room, make room. Come forward. Come forward. Get free, get free, get free. Don't let hatred have its rule over you. Don't let the poison of hatred course through your veins. It's going to make its way to your heart, friend. It's going to kill your relationships. It's going to kill your relationship with God. Come on. Be free. Be free. Be free. Come on, you're not going to repeat a prayer. You're not going to repeat a prayer. You're going to talk to God. And He's going to touch you. Look to God. Say, Lord, take away my snake bite. Heal me, God. Heal me, God. I've got poison in me, God. I've got a venom, God, that I've got to get set free from, God. This evil thing that's been plaguing my mind and wearing me down and telling me I'm going to make it. No way. I'm going to go to hell. Oh, friend, that's a poison not from God, but from the devil. If you've ever blamed God, you should be out of your seat in this altar. If you blame God for evil things that happened to you, friend, He's not an evil God. He's a good God. Nobody is here to tell you how bad you are. We're here to tell you how good God is. And if you feel like you're being condemned, you're wrong, friend. I love you. I don't want to see you go home being under a death sentence while venom goes through you and your family. Get set free. Let the tears fall from your eyes. That will cleanse you, friend. Tears of repentance, let it cleanse you. I'm sorry, Father, for disturbing the environment of the snake. God, I don't want to stick my hand. I don't want to flirt. I don't want adultery. I don't want fornication in my life, Lord. I don't want to be with anybody except for the person you called me to be with, God. I don't want to watch things I'm not supposed to be watching. God, set me free. God, if the devil sprayed in my eyes, heal my vision. God, I've been blinded by a venom. God, help me to see again. 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 Let him minister to you right now. We're not in a hurry, friend. We're going to let God do what he wants to do. Come on, talk to him. I don't know how to say anything. Close your eyes and say, Father, forgive me, Lord. That's all you got to say. Begin to just tell him, I'm sorry, God. I'm sorry. I want to serve you, God. I'm just having a hard time doing it. But if you cleanse me this morning, if you give me strength, God, I know I can do this with you, Lord. I can be the person you created me to be. 
I don't have to stand out and watch other people get blessed. I believe that my life matters to you, Lord. Tell them I'm sorry, God. I repent, God. I don't want to do that anymore, Lord. Help me, God. Help me not to do it anymore. Help me not to be around that thing anymore, God. Don't let me be in a place where the devil, where the serpent can take advantage of me, God. I don't want to live in the snake cage, God. I don't want to get caged up with a snake, God. Let me out the cage. Come on, some of you need to get out of the cage. You're trying to live for God, but you're living in a snake cage. Jesus. Come on, keep your eyes closed. Keep your heart wide open to God. Listen to me. I just saw there were several of you in here. God said that you're living for Him in a cage with a snake in it. You're living on one side and the snake is on the other. Come on, just listen to me. Eyes closed, heart wide open. I'm telling you. You can't serve God in a snake cage, friend. Sooner or later, the snake is going to get hungry. It's going to come and it's going to bite you. Get out the cage. Some of you, your cage is rage, anger, hatred. You're sitting there with your arms through prison bars, talking to everybody about how good God is. You're watching all these people free outside of their cages, but you're still in yours. Friend, you know why? Because you've got to be healed. You've got to be set free this morning. You've got to tell the Lord, I'm sorry. I don't want to do it anymore. I don't want to live here anymore. I don't want to live this way anymore. Friend, I'm telling you, God is coming. He's getting you out of the cage. He's going to mend your snake bites. Come on, put your hand on your heart right now. Father, supernaturally, God, there's no way I could pray for everybody that needs prayer in here, but God, I know your Holy Ghost can. And Lord, I ask you to get get into the very heart of these people, God. Help them, God, right now to touch you as you're touching them, God. And I pray, God, as their hand is there on their heart, that you begin to take away every venom of sin. Every venom of sin. Every poison of a serpent that means to kill their lives. Say this with me, God. I come to you. I realize I've got venom going through my life. I don't want to live this way any longer. I ask you to heal me. Set me free. Take away the snake bite. This snake bite. And every snake bite. In Jesus' name. Forgive me. Set me free. Walk me out the cage. Into my freedom. Right now. I take it. In Jesus' name. Now let the Lord minister to you. Let Him minister to you touch you. Take a moment and really set up in your mind that this is really a prayer I prayed and God's not deaf. He's not balking his ears. He's listening to me. He cares about me. He took me into this church building this morning. He bought a crazy white dude by from Alabama. I don't even know, but when he started talking about it, I could understand what he was saying and I could see exactly. Friend, that's how good God is. 
You don't have to know me. I'm just a messenger. I'm just a mailman. But the letter was written and given by God to you. That's why it's so personal. That's why everybody in here got a different message from one message. It's personal. You matter to God. You don't matter to God just when you're saved. You matter to God in any way, shape, or form, friend. He loved you enough to die for you when you didn't even care about Him. He loved you enough that when you even hated Him, some of you had atheistic tendencies. You didn't even believe there was a God. But this morning you can't deny that something has touched you. That something is not a something, it's a someone. His Holy Spirit has come and He's touched you. Make it real. Solidify. Sober-mindedly say, I'm going to serve God with my whole heart. I'm not going to be slave to my past mistakes. I'm not going to be defined by my problems. I'm not going to be defined by the things that I made a mistake on. I'm going to be defined by how He loves me. How much He has in store for my life. you to stay right where you are right now because I feel that God just gave me something and we're going to act on this I want you just right now to open your eyes and I want you just to look around the people next to you right now I want you to get this in your heart right now the first service we had in here was packed out overflow And when I called up people to the altar, only about two or three, a handful came. From that day, you remember, from that day, I said, God, give us back that altar. Because we had it at the other church. But we added a whole bunch of new people. We added a lot of new people. And I said, God, give us back that altar. And today, this is the first time this altar has looked the way it's supposed to be. And I'm telling you right now, why you're not going to hear from Brother Glenn till tonight because God just told me. If they want it, they need to come get it tonight. So we are going to cut this altar call short only for one reason, because I'm looking at some of y'all, and we can have church literally till 3 in the morning. But I need a church to understand this. You see, you guys don't get it because you look so good and you're so cute, and you know you can go to Starbucks, you know you can go to downtown Hancock and get things on demand, but you don't understand it doesn't work like that in the kingdom. It does not work like that in the kingdom of God. You have got to want something in the kingdom of God. The Bible says the rich can't even get in. It's easier for a camel to go through an eye of a needle than for the rich to get in. And I'll tell you right now, this whole congregation is rich. You may say, well, I don't got a lot of riches. Yes, you do. Feeling it right now. We we go to places, and I want every I want every visitor. I'm not ashamed to tell. You, I want every person to listen to. We go to villages in India. They'll travel three days to get there, sleep on the floor, and spend three nights there in the same clothes. And I came to this service a little mad at the devil because I already know the Bears game is competing with us. People having to leave early. Sick people from the retreat couldn't make it here today. And I just felt, as the man of God was saying, that he pre- you have no idea how preachers even work. I know you don't because you don't know a lot of them. Let me tell you something. We don't plan these things out. He was having up his message. He wanted me to make sure it worked on, on PowerPoint. And I said, I don't even want to see it because I don't want there to be any confusion. I want to let God do it all together. 
And so this is what I'm asking for. I'm asking for every single one of you to come tonight and come early. And I want you to say tonight, because we're going to lay hands on every single person. I don't care if we have to line you up all around this building. We are going to lay hands on every single person. Every person, every addiction, every healing, everything. And this is where it starts right now. Because that was the word from the man of God. You have everything you need. You just heard the word. You heard it preached to you. We just pray to prayer, get the things out. Right now, it's up to you. If you come live free from those snake bites and get free from everything the devil's ever done to you. It's up to you from this point on. And, and, and that's why I have to. I just have to do it. I have to. Everybody saw us on the retreat. We had three-hour altar calls. The literally, the literally, God said, stop them right now and tell them to come back tonight. Because I'm not giving it up. God is not your prostitute. God is not that person that comes when just you. You prove it tonight. You prove you want to be delivered tonight. Jesus, you say, well, did Jesus do that? Jesus preached to them for three days without feeding them. Jesus then said to him, if you want me, drink my flesh and eat my blood. See, i got a worship team that's tired of pulling it out of you. I want to know during this retreat, because to me, it's not normal Sunday morning. This is retreat weekend. I want to know, is there some of you that are going to go home and watch that game and come back here early and say, I want it. I want the power of God. I want the freedom of God. I don't care if my friends come with me. I don't care if it's three of us up here. We'll lay hands on all three of you all night long. We'll lay hands on all three of you all night long until they get it and go out and change the world. Woo! So we're going to close out with the worship song, Chains Be Broken. I'm going to take care of him today. Come back tonight, and we're going to lay hands on every single person. This is not a gimmick. I don't do gimmicks, okay? This is not. This is what God spoke to me right there. And he knows I've never took the mic from, from him at all, ever. And you come back tonight, whoever you are, you come back tonight, and you say, this is my time. And I'm telling you, the junk is going to come out the trunk like you have never experienced. Just clear your calendar for the rest. I don't want anybody having a lever. See, I can't have a service like that. I can't have a service where people already think i got to go to the bear. I ain't playing with you. You come back tonight, and I don't want to hear no complaint because you know what? God's better than all of that. Amen? And this is the promise that I make to you because I still love you as a pastor even though I teach you. The Bears go to the Super Bowl. We'll have it right here in Jesus' name. Come on. So you can still have it, but I want to know what you want this weekend. Hold somebody's hand. Father, I thank you, God, that you put a stop to it so they can come back tonight and receive it ten times what they would receive right now with all these distractions, with all this tiredness. I know some of them can't even help it. They're sick from the retreat. Father God, I pray right now you restore their body. I pray they go get their friends, Father God. I pray they come back to these altars. I pray that the time of worship, I want everybody to hear me as I pray. I pray that when we start singing the worship songs, this is what the altar looks like. Father God, bless us today. Bless our families and all that we do in your name. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. God bless you. Stay around and sing. Join the cafe. We'll see you tonight at 7. Come on.